When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, Netflix thinks its competition is sleep, gaming, and I don't know, maybe itself. Tumblr offers subscriptions to help the meme lords, and why TikTok is not the new hit maker. Yes, DTNS starts now! This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, July 21st, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. In Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm the show's producer, Roger Shank. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Twitter testing out a downvote option. Uh, if you want to get that wider conversation and some tips on getting rid of poison ivy, get good day, Internet. Become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Samsung's next Galaxy Unpacked event will take place virtually on Wednesday, August 11th, with the phrase, get ready to unfold in the announcement. The company also opened pre-orders for an unknown upcoming flagship device promising 12 free months of Samsung Care Plus, up to an extra $200 trade-in credit, and a special pre-order offer for those committing before any official announcement. Clubhouse announced Wednesday, it's open for everybody. Come on in, sign up. You don't need to get on the wait list anymore. Please, please keep using us. Clubhouse is expanding from uh, iOS to Android. Did that back in May. Says it has now reached 10 million downloads in the Android app's first two months. Clubhouse also added a text-based chat feature, if you didn't know. It's called Back Channel. They added that last week. Argo AI and Ford plan to launch 1,000 self-driving vehicles on Lyft's ride-hailing network over the next five years, starting with deployments in Miami this year and Austin in 2022. These vehicles will still have a human safety driver on board. Lyft will also provide Argo with driving data from its entire network in exchange for a 2.5% stake in the company. I always think of that movie and that famous quote that I can't say on a family show. When I hear Argo, Asus announced the Chromebook CX9 and the Chromebook Flip CX5. Uh, they've got the new Intel Core i7 CPUs. Those Z graphics are in there, though. Uh, they meet US Mill Standard 810H, too. So they're tough. CX9 is available now starting at $749 for the Core i3, up to $1,149 for an i7. And the Flip CX5 with an i7 starts at $1,049. 
Epic Games has acquired Sketchfab, a platform to upload, download, view, share, sell, and buy 3D assets. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Sketchfab will operate as a separate brand, and Epic says that all integrations with third-party tools, even Unity, will remain available. All right. Let's talk about those Netflix earnings and the investor letter and the earnings call and all the good stuff that happened uh, with Netflix after market close yesterday. You probably saw all kinds of headlines, good and bad. Here's the actual scoop. The bad. Netflix's domestic subscribers, the ones in Canada and the U.S., dropped by 430000 And earnings per share, the mark of profitability for a company, came in below expectations. Still positive, though, $2.97. Netflix attributed all of that to a lighter offering of shows and some pandemic choppiness. Uh, what about all those new competing streaming services, though? Asked people on the earnings call. Co-CEO Reed Hastings said... Does HBO or Disney have a differential impact compared to the past? We're not seeing that in the data we have. That gives us comfort. So he dismissed that. He said, no, it's not the new services. Uh, We're not being affected by that. It's just people going out, coming in, changing their habits as, you know, lockdowns come and go. Now to the good news. Revenue was $7.34 billion, just above expectations. And worldwide, counting even that 430,000 drop in in the U.S. and Canada, Netflix added 1.54 million subscribers. That brings them to 209 million paid memberships worldwide. You can compare that to Disney Plus's last announcement of 104 million worldwide. And Netflix confirmed, yes, it is moving into gaming. In its shareholder letter, Netflix wrote, we view gaming as another new content category for us, similar to our expansion into original films, animation, and unscripted TV. Just the next new genre, video games. Games will be included in members' Netflix subscriptions at no additional cost, similar to films and series, and initially will be primarily focused on games for mobile devices. Now, this is the latest move towards ancillary content to the main video content. They've hired a person to do podcasts. They've been beefing up their merchandise strategy. And Hastings said they don't expect any of these new efforts, games, podcasts, merchandise, to be profit centers on their own, but instead focus on making streaming better. He said, quote, we're a one product company with a bunch of supporting elements. Co-CEO Ted Sarandos confirmed that the company has no interest in acquiring live sports right now. For instance, uh, that one product is on-demand video. He said, our fundamental product is on-demand and ad-free, and sports tends to be live and packed with advertising. Like, doesn't make much sense, and it's expensive, and it's not getting cheaper. In fact, Netflix doesn't have much interest in acquiring even other companies. As it watches all the other companies merge and consolidate, Netflix wrote in its investor letter, We are mostly competing with ourselves to improve our service as fast as we can. They've said they compete with sleep. They've said they compete with Fortnite. And now they say, we just compete with ourselves. There's like nobody in our class. We're Netflix. Uh, COO Greg Peters uh, said the gaming effort will capitalize on Netflix's intellectual property. Sort of implying that you'll get a Stranger Things game, a Queen's Gambit, you know, chess game, stuff like that. We, he said, we are in the business of making these amazing worlds and great storylines and incredible characters. And we know the fans of those stories want to go deeper. They want to engage further. So, Scott, now that you've heard all the breakdown of this, where do you think Netflix is going with that gaming strategy? Well, I mean, I've let my initial thoughts pretty freely open uh, and expressed on the Internet about how I thought they were going to go straight to the jugular on streaming game tech and it would compete with the likes of xCloud and Stadia and all of that. But as the day has gone on, as I've studied these words and kind of looked at how Netflix tends to do things in a way that 
people don't expect them to do it. I think it is going to start a lot smaller. They may get there. Those may be things they do one day. Um, I think it sort of depends on how this rollout goes. But I'm also old enough to remember when they started renting video games a la Game Pass not that long ago, not that many years ago, and uh, pulled the plug in that almost immediately. And so, you know, their their time in that space has been limited and uh, a little shaky. They've certainly got the uh, wherewithal and money now to do kind of anything they want to do. I think starting with mobile is a little bit weird because it opens up other questions we don't have answers to. Like, is this all part of the app itself? And does that mean that it runs uh, strictly on mobile devices? Are we talking TVs at all? And if we are, what ones? And and, and what streaming boxes are going to allow for anything more than that? Will, will these games be 100% based on their own IPs? Or are they going to build some first-party, you know, brand-new stuff that will roll back the other direction onto Netflix as, you know, television or animation or something else? We don't know any of those things. And so as it stands right now, it's a little hard to know what it means at all. Like, I really don't know what the what the plan's going to be. It sounds like mobile will be first. Obviously, they've made the hires for that. And they've made, and, you know, they've certainly uh, said as much. But what does that look like? Is it just more games on the app stores? No, probably not. That doesn't really leverage anything. They already do that. It's got to be something more than that. And I'm kind of pins and needles wanting to know what. We just don't know. I- I've seen a bunch of comparisons when the the news came out. Oh, Netflix is going to start with mobile device, think, uh, oh, mobile gaming. You? Well, I mean, I don't really know, but I but I I saw a lot of comparisons to this is Netflix coming for Apple Arcade, but it it really doesn't sound like that's what Netflix is doing. At least not right now. Netflix is saying we want to build off, um, you know, yes, something like Stranger Things, something that's. Uh, a, a big deal on Netflix. Everybody's talking about that game can be an extension. And I think it was Justin Robert Young last week who said, and it and it just preserves that that subscriber who's about to cancel because they kind of gotten through everything that they wanted to watch already. Keep reta- helps retain that person a little bit longer, you know. So there's you know there's less of that burn rate. I there are precious few. Uh, video type experiences that I want to make a game for myself, but I know that that there it's that, that's extremely successful um, w- with a lot of uh, a lot of series um, or movies or one offs or whatever. So I think it's makes perfect sense that Netflix wouldn't even dare have someone pay for any of this off the bat because the company wants to test the waters. First of all, um, if it ends up being really popular, maybe there's more, maybe there turns into a, well, this is like a very, very premium game that now, if you'd like, this is, this is an extra, uh, extra fee at some point down the road, but I'm with you. If it's mobile gaming, I don't know how this is something I experience not on a mobile device because it's Netflix. Yeah, no, I think I think that's what it is. It's mobile gaming. Uh, they'll have to deal with Apple's weird uh, rules about you know you can have whether you can have a gaming service or not in your app or whatever. And I'm not sure how that's going to shake out. But ideally, you have the Netflix app. You're watching on your TV, and it says, "Hey, play the game on your app." And you go to your Netflix app, and you play the game there. Uh, and it's just a way to extend the experience when you're not sitting down watching. Or a lot of people do watch them on their phones, watch them on their tablets, and you can play the game there. I think it. I think I take Greg Peters at his word. This is extending the IP. I think you're going to more and more see Netflix focusing on building franchises, building on their IP. I think 
if the, if this all goes the way I think it's trending, you're going to see Netflix get into theme park experiences, maybe not building a theme park, but doing those kinds of experiences like they did with Bridgerton, like they did with Stranger Things, maybe making some of those permanent, maybe making them travel around. But you're going to see them trying a lot of new things like that where they start to say, our business is stories, whether it's in a game or a movie or a video, a TV series, whatever. Uh, that that seems to be where they're pointing. Also feels like maybe they're going to they're maybe going to go to the throat of things like Pokemon Go and augmented reality type oh, stuff. Oh sure, yeah. Which we haven't absolutely. even thought about. Stranger Things Those have, perfect for that, and, right? Yeah, these have that has a better tie into your properties than just oh, there's a little side scroller we made about Stranger Things. Like there's got to be more to it than that. But we'll see. Time will tell. Tumblr back in the news. Remember Tumblr, I do, is uh, they're back in the news because they're testing a new feature called Post Plus. Everybody uses pluses now. Uh, that lets some users charge their followers a monthly fee for exclusive content. So content creators, video makers, posters, that sort of stuff. Post Plus offers a $3.99, $5.99, and $9.99 monthly plan, with Tumblr taking a 5% cut of those subscription fees. Creators using Post Plus have the option to post free content as well, so... They can kind of choose and pick and whatever. Uh, this reminds me a lot of what Substack and other newsletter services are doing. It's, it's just sort of, hey, why not, why not Tumblr? You may have thought Tumblr was gone or at least forgotten a little bit. That probably means you're, well, you're old like us probably. But page views uh, did decline 29% after it banned all pornography on the site back in 2018, if everyone remembers that. Uh, if, uh, but it was sold to WordPress owner Automatic in 19, or, uh, 2019, rather, and that's when the new generation arrived. Uh, more than 48% of its users are in the Gen Z demographic. Gen Z folks spend 26% of their time on the platform, uh, more than older bloggers. And uh, average daily use time in the demo increased 100% year over year. So that's a lot of growth in that demographic. Tumblr, t- uh, tum- Tumblr rather, uh, hasn't released official page view statistics, but similar web estimates page views have stabilized somewhere between the 310 million and 377 million per month which is no small potatoes. The spokesperson that uh, talked about this told TechCrunch, quote, not, uh, excuse me, not reserved only for professionals or those with 10K followers or higher. Tumblr's Post Plus will push the boundaries of what's considered money-making content on the internet. Uh, shite posters, <laughs> meme lords, uh, artists, fan fiction writers, all of the above and everything in between will be able to create content while building their community of supporters and getting paid with Post Plus. Don't sleep on automatic uh, I, I looked at this and, and obviously I had all the thoughts that everybody did like, Oh, look, Tumblr, uh, getting some momentum, uh, getting into the, the subscription game. We talked yesterday about how it's become more acceptable to just pay directly for content instead of having to get it free with ads. But I immediately thought about the pocket cast announcement that automatic is buying pocket casts. And I'm like, I wonder if automatic is our next big rising star. Good old automatic from way back, you know, in the WordPress days of the mid two thousands, might be the rising star because they're jumping ahead and getting things that are in growing markets like podcasts, like Gen Z oriented Tumblr, uh, instead of uh, messing around, you know, just buying the same old stuff and, and trying to bolster aging platforms like Facebook is. Tumblr is also, it's such a mixed media network. Uh, I, I once was very active on Tumblr, and then I was sort of following a variety of other Tumblrs, and so I was more lurking, but that was also an easy experience for me. And a Tumblr blog is 
very different depending on what kind of template you're using or if you're using, you know, something that you've customized. But whereas Substack, you think long form writing doesn't have to be super long form, but, you know, paragraphs of text. Instagram is is photography and video. Now, you know, the company is certainly wanting to go into the video route, but you see uh, places where a lot of people are hanging out as places where people try to sort of push the boundary. Like how many Instagram photos do you see where it's a it's a photo, but it's really a quote that was written somewhere and then someone took a screenshot of it, that sort of thing. Tumblr has already done all of those things really well um, and in a way that, that can get that can work for creators um, to make them stand out. I, I never had an issue with Tumblr. I just felt like the folks that I was following, and myself included, kind of just lost interest and went to other places. I am really interested by the idea that the younger adults, uh, you know, of, of all the generations that we throw out, you know, and how we all act differently, and we talk about it on the show all the time, are the folks who are most comfortable with saying, yeah, if you're a good creator, you should get paid. And yeah. if you're somebody who enjoys that good creator, then you pay them. It's just the right thing to do. Whereas, you know, the rest of us are like, God, there's so many subscriptions, <laughs> you know, <laughs> try really be paying for all of these things. But it's it's a, it's a different way of looking at stuff. Yeah, right, the, way, that, the is- younger demo doesn't have as much money. So that's right. the risk in doing it this way. But they're just they're just mm-hmm. more tuned to it. They're like, uh, like you say, older people are like, why should I pay for that? And younger people are like, oh, can I please pay for it? Uh, yeah. And so maybe that makes up the difference. I think so. There's there's this whole other aspect too for artists specifically um, that I can speak to. Used to be that's where Tumblr. That's what you found on Tumblr. Tons of artists. Artists loved it there. It's a great way to post stuff. Yahoo got weird with their terms of service. Put a few people off, and then kind of the Yahoo stink sort of stayed. And with that being gone now, I think there might be a mass return of artists, especially because they might be able to get paid for some of their work. But also. Some of those uh, rules have loosened up and this, you know, the smell of Yahoo is not there anymore, at least potentially it's not. But also the place they all move to, Instagram, is getting weird with still imagery and art and they may need a new home. So there may be a real opportunity here. And I'm I'm actually kind of stoked about the idea. I, yeah. I, I hope I hope that means that, you know, some of these other sites will quit chasing each other and just calm down and think about maybe what they do best and then do that. Because that feels like that's what Tumblr's doing. They just kind of let some time go where people had to realize it. And now they're like, all right, well, if you all had your moment, now come back here and just blog or post art and, you know, let's just be Tumblr again. I like the idea that Matt Mellenweg fumigated Tumblr from all the Yahoo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was running out of words for the Yahoo smell, stench, stink, stain. But, yeah, I'm all out. (laughs) Hey, Yahoo Finance, still kicking. Yahoo Japan, top brand. Yeah. There you yeah. go. There you yeah. go. In the fourth and final installment of our Seniors in Tech mini podcast series, Dr. Nikki Ackermans talks to Dr. Ruth Pords about her amazing career running IT for multiple particle accelerator and physics labs, plus her role in the development of the World Wide Web. You know, that little thing. You may have heard of it. Might be using it right now. Watch for it this Saturday, July 24th in the DTNS feed. 
the Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. All right. I'm trying not to use Amazon's assistant more than once or twice, but please forgive me if I do. It would be hard to explain the next story otherwise. Amazon's vice president in charge of Alexa, Nadim Fresco, told CNET that 140,000 different smart home products interface with the voice assistant. It's a lot. More companies are now taking advantage of Amazon's custom assistant program that launched back in February, which lets product makers lease the technology to make their own assistants with their own wake words. For example, a Verizon smart display was announced on Wednesday as one of these devices. It would respond to, hi, Verizon, how it help customers set up new services and manage their broadband account, among other things. Along with that, Amazon announced Alexa Shopping Actions, which lets developers earn affiliate money by promoting physical products in apps or letting users browse project listings. And Amazon also says it plans to integrate Matter, that's the smart home interoperability standard into its voice assistant assistant devices, through an over-the-air update. So don't have to do anything. Uh, Pretty cool, though. Amazon also plans to introduce Matter-compatible bridges to connect non-Matter devices. So then the company joins Google and Apple in announcing support for Matter, meaning... We may, in fact, be headed to a world of actual smart home interoperability. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot at this conference that was announced, uh, lots lots of cool features. But this was my big takeaway, which is Amazon officially joining Matter. We expected them to. Now it's official. They're going to push it. They're just going to make it easy and push it into any device that can support it. Uh, Go back to our episode where we talked about Matter uh, a few weeks ago, Uh, having Google on board to support it in Google Home, having Apple letting developers implement it in HomeKit and bringing it into Siri, having Amazon supporting it on Echoes and all their other devices that are in the smart home universe is going to make this work. Now, the tech still has to live up to its promise. It seems like it will. hasn't really been put to the scale test yet, but I'm starting to feel optimistic about Matter that everybody will support it. And I will eventually live in a world where I just buy a smart door lock because I like its features. And I don't worry like, wait, is it going to be compatible with the system I use at home? Or maybe I should run three systems at home just to be sure. You could just pick the voice assistant you want and go with that. I've always had this question about Matter and services that have tried to be the interoperability link between these competing services. And that is at some point, 
at least on the surface, I go, oh, cool. They're going to tie them all together, and it doesn't matter what I'm using, and I can use multiples for different you know, needs in the home or in the office or whatever, and they're all going to work together because there's this layer of interoperability. That I love. However, then I start thinking, well, what about a competing layer of operability? And then what do they bring that matter doesn't? And one of them is being supported by all the makers, so that's cool. But does that mean there's not some better alternative being worked on? Or There's this forever line of potential competition. And really all I want is all of them to just kind of speak the same, same language. This is it. This is it. That's why I was like, go listen to our other it. episode where we talked about it. We addressed all of those concerns uh, because – this is the this is the one that finally got everybody to work together on it ahead of time. It wasn't coming in going, hey, we fixed the standard. Everybody onto our wagon. They're like, let's all build a wagon together. Let's make sure that it, it works. And let's all like make it a standard instead of a proprietary thing that we try to that we open up and let other people use. Uh, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's guaranteed to work, but it's certainly the best shot we've had so far. I'm pretty well, interested yeah. in this leasing out of the technology. The Verizon example is a little bit of a strange one to me. I cannot imagine needing a uh, it, a smart display where I like go into my Verizon account and make some changes. Now, not that that wouldn't work. It seems like overkill when there are already many ways to do that with a screen. However... If there are other examples of this where a particular company that you interface with, you know, with, with either one product or, or more, is able to build a smart display where Amazon is simply running the back end, that'll be interesting too. Yeah. For me, it's just a matter of can, can yeah. we all get along? Matter. And if we can, great. Let's do it. It's Come just a in. matter of that? Yeah. I will say the one uh, – we, we didn't mention it yet, but uh, another announcement that Amazon made was the um, – functionality of widgets on something like an Echo Show. Anybody who has an Echo Show now, you see a sort of carousel of information. You can program it to some extent, right? And you, you can add um, certain certain uh, information and skills to sort of be part of that cycle. But to be able to have, here are the four things I want on the screen that are automatically updating, um, that, that takes it to the next level for me. Because sometimes I walk by and I'm like, eh, recipe I don't care about. But if that was a recipe plus a few other things that I do care about, then that's just more information on a screen that can handle it. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, back at the end of May, maybe around May 21st, uh, if you want to get that that episode of Daily Tech News Show where we, we, we did talk about matter. Meanwhile, TikTok posted some results from a couple of studies, uh, one from MRC Data conducted a music perception study in November, and London-based Flamingo Group conducted a study on TikTok's impact on culture. Both studies polled around 1,500 TikTok users online. Among the findings, 75% of TikTok visitors discover musical artists there. So if you are a TikTok user, three quarters of you are like, yeah, I discovered somebody I like just by watching TikTok. 63% say it's a source for music they haven't heard before. Discovery. This is where I discover the hits. And 72% associate particular songs with TikTok. So among the TikTok users, most of them are discovering music and artists there. 67% of TikTokers are more likely to seek out songs on music streaming services. So if they hear a song on TikTok, they will go to Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, etc. Music industry is paying attention, trying to get new artist exposure on TikTok, while also, and this means they're taking it seriously, beginning to grumble about the compensation rate they get from platforms like TikTok. They used to grumble about Spotify all the time. They still grumble about YouTube. 
Uh, you don't hear them grumbling so much about Tidal, Spotify, Apple Music. But not everybody uses TikTok. And Variety points out that a study from uh, last May by Music Watch found that music streaming services are cited as the main driver for music discovery by most people. So they, they were surveying people not only who use TikTok, but also who don't use TikTok. And it's still the biggest music discovery driver for the general populace, followed by video streaming services like YouTube, then radio, then short video services like Reels and TikTok. So when you look at the TikTok platform, users of TikTok discovering a lot of music there. It's definitely driving music. But not everybody uses TikTok. And so it hasn't really pervaded into the general populace, probably because not the general populace doesn't majority use TikTok yet. It's funny because it feels like TikTok gets away with something here. And by that, I mean, they get to play a bunch of music, short versions, mind you, but music nonetheless, that uh, other services can't get away with playing when you're creating content. And it's just right there to choose from a list of songs and you can just play it. So I mean, the they opportunity pay, they there, pay for it. They just don't pay as much. Right. Credit, uh, exactly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it gives it gives more. I, I have found more weird music that I ended up liking because of TikTok mm-hmm. than any other service I've ever used, like straight up, including like full blown music services. Their discovery system's fine, but it's very traditional. This thing's like, oh, what the heck is that riff? I got to find that. And I find it and I go get it and I build my own playlist. And there's playlists that exist across the services that are just TikTok famous songs and that really surprised me about the service. I wasn't expecting to be, you know, find a bunch of new music that I care about and like. Yeah, TikTok is fun in that way. And I'm with you, Scott. There are songs that I've I've figured out what song it is, you know, even if, I don't know, the TikTok video itself doesn't make any mention of it. But I also might have, uh, you know, I it's it's linked to that really funny TikTok with the dog or <laughs> that roller skater or whatever, you know, so yeah. it becomes the song. And sometimes it it's it, it you know, it it organically uh, it grows into something where you're like, oh, the song is everywhere. Everyone's doing the meme. Right. You know, the TikTok memes, it's you know part of the, part of the fun of TikTok, depending on who you follow. And I can only imagine folks in the music industry being like, look how this song is now trending on Spotify. Right. Or Apple Music or 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 wherever. And we didn't necessarily predict that. And we can attribute it to something like TikTok. But, yeah, we're not really benefiting from it starting on TikTok as much as we would like, even though we can see the fruits of, you know, the the rewards down the road. And that gets a little bit tricky. I I I also I. I, there are certain songs I enjoy on TikTok, but they've already been mashed up and I go back and I figure out what it is. Watermelon Sugar is a great example. Mm, I did not yep. know that was a real song. I thought that was just like some funny TikTok thing. Watermelon it's a real song. Sugar? Hi. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. Um, yeah. I only know it is like the ha ha thing. And so I heard the song and I was like, mm, pretty good. Kind of like the yeah. TikTok part. TikTok yeah, version and better. Also, uh, we, we would be remiss covering this if we did not acknowledge Lil Nas X, whose entire career went from uh, selling directly to TikTok star to getting a Columbia record deal and now becoming one of the biggest artists in the world, collabing with the likes of BTS. Uh, you know, that, that I think was another big wake up for the record industry to be like, oh, crap, we can cultivate entire musical artists on this platform. Let's yeah. get Doja Cat over there. Let's get our existing artists that we think will resonate with that audience. Let's get them over there now. 
Yeah, and there's some there's some artists who or some TikTokers who are started as TikTokers, gained a huge following. Turns out can sing or make music or dance or whatever, and now they've got these their own record labels or they got their own single coming out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thora Bella Thorch, I forgot her name. Anyway, she's got a song that's really popular Olivia right Rodrigo. now. And oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know if no, it's her. Bella, or not, but Bella Porch, Bella Porch, who, that's it. Who makes and, funny eye googlies? Yeah, and she's made a. She'll make a music career out of this. Like it's just such a different place. And I don't know. You're right about how the short little blips tend to ruin some of those songs for us. But there's other times where I'm like, I'm going to go find that track and I'm going to love it. So good on them. <laughs> All right. Let's check out the mailbag. What do we got, Sarah? This one comes from Jake, uh, who is, is kind of answering a question we got in the mailbag a couple of days ago about uh, cutting down on on spam coming through our, our phones and who's to blame, and also the idea of replacing SMS. Jake says, I work for a telecom security company. One of our products is securing mobile networks from spam and fraudulent messages. The basic flow of a message is sender's network sends an SRI. That means send routing info. Destination responds with information of customer. Sender's network sends the message. That's the MT. That means you have two opportunities to block an unwanted message at the SRI, SRI or the MT point. SRI is routing only, no context. MT has content because it's on the other side. When a person sends a message to another person, P2P, regardless of network, there are usually agreements for the price paid for delivery between networks, usually a negligible amount. Business is different. Their messages are considered outside of these agreements, or A2P. Now, most businesses don't want to pay a lot per SMS. They're sending millions each day. Every penny counts in this sort of pricing structure. This is where SMS aggregators come in. They combine many connections, some directly to a network, some in agreement with another aggregator. At any point in this chain, an aggregator may decide, I don't want to pay that fee. I've got a guy with some sims and modems. So I'll use him. So, is SMS secure? Yes and no, says Jake. It's clear text and open to an operator to view and aggregators to change. But from an operator point of view, they have extremely strict controls to protect privacy. What we should do is complain to our operator when we receive an A2P SMS, again, from a business, from anything but a short code like auth or Google, or we receive an A2P piece SMS that we didn't ask for, or we receive an SMS that appears malformed like Google with the O's as zeros and the E as a three. These are all indications that both the sender, Google, for example, and your operator have some work to do in both pressuring their supplier and considering security. So there you go. Uh, I learned a whole lot uh, from Jake about how this all works. In fact, I'm going to try to do a know a little more uh, on this, but the, the, the short version is uh, talk to your carrier if you're getting text message spam, because I didn't realize till I read this that the text message uh, security against spam is much tighter than the voicemail security against spam. At least it seems like it based on this description. Uh, yes, yeah, the, thank you so you much. You have amazing listeners, people. by the way. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I know. What an incredible I, email. So good. I know. It's great. It's great. And I know there's more out there. I know because we get a lot of this email. But yeah, if you ever have feedback for us, whether it's a question or a comment or something where you go, ah, I've got the answer and I can help everybody know a little more, send it to feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Shout out to patrons on our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include Mike Akins, Norm Fizikas, and Chris Allen. Also, guess what we have? We have a brand new boss, yes. and that boss's name is Dave Peak. 
Dave just started backing us on Patreon. Thank you, Dave. Dave, Dave. Dave single-handedly stopped us from dropping down on the number of patrons over last month. Dave was like Gandalf appearing at the turning of the tide and said, no, I will keep that number in balance. So thank you, Dave Peak. Uh, we, we may need another uh, to back up Dave Peak. Uh, if you're listening out there on the free feed and you, you want to get some of those perks, patreon.com slash DTNS, just say. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks also to Scott Johnson, who keeps us afloat week after week. Scott, we couldn't do without you either. Uh, what's oh, been going on with you? Geez, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on. And uh, if you want to see some of it, you can find it at frogpants.com. Uh, we're now to the point where production is getting ready to ship all those games out to everybody who supported us for the card game. So that's happening. There are new comic strips going up, new ship, uh, shows every day. Something for everybody. So go check it out, frogpants.com. And as always, I'm on Twitter at Scott Johnson. Excellent. We are live on this show Monday through Friday. Yes, folks, every weekday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find more at, find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Bookmark it. Tell a friend. Tom is going to be working on Know a Little More tomorrow. So Rich will be with us. So with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.